Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. This is usually where we drop the call of the week, but in a highly unusual self-promotion, Mark has made me put this into the feed, which is the audio of the segment that aired on CBS this morning about my book, The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money, 13 Ways to Right Your Financial Wrongs. Probably because Mark and someone from the publishing company from Penguin Random House have become friends, and they've probably been conspiring behind my back around this. Anyway, I'd love for you to listen to this and maybe get a little itch to buy the book. If you do want to buy the book, it is available anywhere you get your books, or you can just go to the website, jillonmoney.com, click on the link that says the book, and poof, you'll have many choices as to how you may purchase it. Now, of course, once you read the book, you have to leave a review on Amazon. Just like I sit here and beg you to leave reviews on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to the podcast, it's the same thing. I know I'm asking a lot of you, but just think of all this wonderful free content you're getting. Think about it as you've had 52 weeks of great content and all I'm asking you to do is spend 25 bucks on a book. It's not so bad. And leave a review. The dumb things smart people do with their money. 13 ways to right your financial wrongs. Me and my pals from CBS This Morning. You're listening to Jill on Money. If you agonize about money, chances are you're not alone. Almost 7 out of 10 Americans say finances are a significant source of stress in a recent survey. A new book may provide some solutions. It's called The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money, 13 Ways to Right Your Financial Wrongs. This is a first book by a CBS News business analyst, the first of many, I'm predicting, <laughs> and certified financial planner, Jill Schlesinger. Welcome, congratulations. I love this book. It is a quick read. You're not talking down to the viewers, and you're revealing that you're very popular. You have a lot of friends. I have a lot of talk friends about in this with a lot of financial problems. <laughs> yeah. You talk about your financial problems as well, but you do spend a lot of time talking about your friends. Your friend Gail, in particular, came to you with college debt concerns. She tapped into her nest egg to pay for her son's college tuition. This is something a lot of parents are doing. You're saying it's a big no-no. Yeah, the big problem around college is we know our kids have to get educated. And the problem that we now see is that parents are taking that to the extreme. They're putting their kids before themselves. They're making very bad decisions about their own retirement and pulling money out, borrowing money, not funding when they should be. So the real issue here is you've got to have tough conversations with your kids early on. Explain what the family can afford. Make your choices wisely and have the kid be part of the conversation about how we are going to finance this. This is a family decision. This is not about you enabling your kids. And you say you can negotiate tuition. Is that true? That is absolutely true. The kid has to do it, though, not you. Mommy and daddy got to stay out of that picture. You write, please don't make money more important than it is. What does that mean? Well, what we have found in looking at a lot of research is that people are pretty happy when they have a certain amount of money, when they can pay their bills and they've got a, a house that they can afford. And when we go beyond that amount of money, you don't get much happier. And so all these money issues that we have seen crop up can really be explained by our emotions, specifically fear and greed. Boy, they are just so important and they have big pulls. The problem is when you fall prey to those emotions, you can make really bad decisions for yourself. You know, you call this chicken uh, soup for the financial soul, which I thought was a really good way to describe it. And I come from the generation. My mom used to always say it's always better to own rather than rent. 
if you rent, you're just throwing money away. You don't really have anything to show for it. And you give a different perspective in this book, Aunt Jill, as you call yourself. Yes, I, I didn't make that up for myself. <laughs> That's somebody else's moniker. But, you know, the thing it about owning, book, uh, owning yeah. versus renting is a really important decision. And what we find is that there is that notion, oh, it's the American dream. I have to own. But in so many cases, renting is more affordable. So you've got to run the numbers and say, hey, does rent make more sense? Does buying make more sense? And then you have to think of this in a different way. And I, I will put this to anyone like Gail. I felt this way, too, mm-hmm. is that instead of saying I'm throwing money out the window, say I'm buying opportunity because renting gives you so much more flexibility. And that's why I want people to reconsider it. You say that one of the, the dumbest mistakes that smart people have is not having a will, which seems hard to believe. But a, a lot of people don't plan. Oh, unbelievable. And you know what happens again? This is an emotional topic. You don't wake up one morning and say, gosh, I really want to contemplate my own death. That yeah. sounds like a great day. Well, some people don't. Well, so, except John. And what's interesting about it is it's not just about people who have money. This is about your wishes being met. Who's going to take care of your kids? How do you want to be treated in the late years of your life? And what is going to be the game plan for that? This is incredibly important. Again, hard conversations to have, but not having them will not solve the problem. You say people make dumb mistakes in retirement. I thought this was interesting. People say it's very difficult to downsize, but you can't downsize without changing your lifestyle. And in retirement, you think you have got a good nest egg of, say, two million you mentioned in the book. But people are surprised at how quickly that goes, because two million sounds like a lot. of. Listen, a million sounds like a ton of money. The problem is when people retire early and they're healthy, they say, I'm going to spend my money. I'm entitled to that. And I understand that 100 percent. The problem is if you spend too much early in your retirement, you are going to face some serious problems later on. And so that's why you have to plan. I thought the rule was always that you have to have 10. You live off 10 percent, essentially. Is that true? Not necessarily. It really depends on the situation. It depends on your social security, whether you have a pension, you've got to run the numbers. Everyone is different. One of the problems with having a rule of thumb is that it doesn't always work for you. And that's why you are unique. You've got to think about your own situation. I like your line about retirement where you say sometimes it's better to buy a Toyota over a Mercedes Benz, right? Oh, when you first retire. Absolutely. And you know, again, retirement's a huge issue. People totally understand I have to save for retirement. What they don't understand is how am I going to spend in retirement? That's a huge issue. Your big three list. Can you do it? One, two, three. Yes. Uh, Pay down outside standing consumer debt. Try to maximize your retirement benefits as best you can. And please, please have an emergency reserve fund. Gail always busts me on this. Six to 12 months of your living expenses in a safe place. All those government workers learned the power of having a safety net. You've got to create your own. That's it for the bonus call of the week. If you'd like to get on the air with us, just send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. We'll arrange to get you on. Talk to you next time.